What is there to discuss? Have I mentioned recently how much I appreciate you, Lanier? You're young, and youth is both foolish and vulnerable. I'm not worried about that. You are an affront to the purity of our race. just make the other pilots feel inadequate. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of friends who've gotten to know each other and are continuing to get to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I am Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today, I get to ask Jafer, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? Given next episode, where we'll be uh, taking our mid-season movie break and watching Tron, as we've talked about a couple of times already on pods, so that's not a surprise to anyone, I thought I might talk a bit about my professional life. Okay. Because I happen to work in information technology. Mm. Just like Tron. Just like Tron. Um, Well, Tron is a program. Right. So he is the thing that pisses me off at my job. Oh, that makes sense, Um, though, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, given what I actually do is manage a service desk for people who are having problems with computers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> computers, it's, it's, it's a fun story for me, I guess. Because when I was a kid, we got our first computer back in 94, we got our first home computer. And I took to it and had a lot of fun. And I even like I made a website with my mom when I was like 10. Oh, that's cute. And, like learned to code HTML and stuff. <laughs> And did the whole thing. We had like our own GeoCities website back before uh, what you see is what you get or WazyWig was a thing that you could just have. It was you had to learn how to code in like Notepad and mm-hmm. then open it up in a browser. And I remember the internet before web browsers because that was a whole thing too. I remember dialing in to mm-hmm. my local library to reserve books and stuff. Wow. See, I don't really remember the time before browser. Well, I don't remember internet before browsers. I remember a time before browsers, mm-hmm. right? But I, yeah. I don't think I, I personally ever got on the internet without a browser. Yeah. So I did a bit of that as a kid. And, you know, I was always in like tech club in high school. And I was the guy who a teacher would be like, hey, my computer's broken. We don't have an IT person because mm-hmm. this is 1998-9 or 2002 or whatever year it happened to be in grade school. And just, we need someone to fix this computer. Hey, Jafer, fix this computer. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my entire family was convinced this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life, right? Like, oh, there's so much money in computers. Jafer's going to go into computers. <laughs> right, right. You know, Silicon Valley, the dot-com boom, all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I go to college, and I take about a, two, a year, maybe a year and a half's worth of computers courses. Uh-huh. And I have a super negative experience in a programming class that just completely turns me off from the entire program and department. Mm-hmm. And I had originally gone to school to major in information technology, and I was just like, no, oh. no, this is this is not for me. If this is the kind of people I'm going to have to deal with, I don't want to do this for a living. Oh, that's unfortunate. Right? And also wrong, clearly, now, in hindsight. <laughs> um, but... 
at the time, it felt like the right decision. And I don't regret anything because I would never would have gone and done economics. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of the stuff that I do for work, in particular, the like my fun time stuff, the my I don't have a meeting right now and I don't have something I need to be working on. So I get to pick projects to fill my time with sometimes. And when I do get that time, it's almost always some kind of data analytics. Mm -hmm. And so it, it does, it did work out because what I end up doing and what I end up really enjoying about my job is kind of a cross between the two. Yeah. But it's funny because I ran from it for so long. <laughs> and even then, like in other jobs, I was the guy who would fix the computer, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, most people, if you do not have a dedicated IT department or your dedicated IT department sucks, you probably have a coworker that you ask for help. Right. With. You have that, that guy that. who knows at least to tell you how to Google it right to get the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was that guy for most of my previous roles in life. I think it's funny that you said that your fun time stuff is the data analytics because <laughs> that's my fun time stuff at my job too. Like if I'm, if I'm done doing whatever financial reports I had to do and I'm not having to manage, because, you know, managing takes like, mm -hmm. God, over half of your time, right? Oh, yeah. And if I, I'm like, have a quiet moment, it's like, well, I'm just going to open up the analytics software and see what crazy stuff I can find out about all of our accounts. And that's the, the, the things that I do at work. Those are the ones I'm most proud of. <laughs> For sure. No, I, I 100% get it. Without getting into the minutia of it, I've written some Power BI stuff and other kinds of data analytic programs that are just really flipping cool. <laughs> I know I the think. feeling, yeah. I think. I'm really proud of some of my formula in Excel that I've done over the years. <laughs> I personally was very excited for Office 2019 and the introduction of the IFS statement. Mm -hmm. If you, if you are an Excel nerd and you are in an old version of Excel and you haven't gotten to fuck with ifs yet, oh, <laughs> oh, it's so good. No more nested if-then statements. It makes it so much easier. You're not looking for that missing parenthesis. Oh, it's so good. I do hate the parentheses. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I do for a living. I work with computers and I work with people who are having problems with computers. Which is most of us, really. I mean, they kind of suck. Computers, not the people. Um, it could be. It could be two things. <laughs> I will, professionally speaking, I will not say the other. <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of real. I've, I actually, before I went over to the company I work for now, I went over with the intention of moving into management based off my history. I have a decade of leadership experience elsewhere, mm -hmm. but they didn't have an opening at first. Mm -hmm. So I actually took the call center job when I started for a couple of months and I worked that for about eight months, I think, before I was promoted or something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a while. But I did, like, had someone answering the phones, helping people solve problems with their computer. I did become endeared to a number of people that worked for some of our clients. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get your regulars where they'll just hit you up on Skype or something and, you know, <laughs> be like, hey, <laughs> are you on a call right now because I need some help? I think I'm probably a regular with our core software company a little bit. There's there's a couple of them. Yeah. There's one that one program we implemented. Mm -hmm. And every single time I've opened a case on this one particular program, it is the same guy who answers my questions. And he's my favorite guy because he's so fast. <laughs> yeah. But it, that's kind of unusual considering how big their company is. But <laughs> it's a very particular program. So, well, I mean, they probably have certain people assigned to certain clients. That's not yeah. too out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. 
But what is out of the ordinary is this episode of Babylon 5. <laughs> Made it. Yay. I was I like, how do sure we I was gonna, How do we pivot? Where do we go? We segue. Got to find something. You did it. Congrats. We get to open up on those wind chimes. We open up some wind chimes. It's season two, episode 11, All Alone in the Night, which is, of course, a line from the theme. Mm-hmm. Very ominous. These ones that are connected to like the bigger story or the theme or the what is it that because each season has a title like when they're connected yes. to that, you know, it's an important episode. For sure. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of episode to get through. I have a whole soapbox about that particular thing in relation to this episode. Ooh, I can't wait we'll to get, get there. When we rate the episode. OK, but we open up on Delenn in her quarters talking to Lanier about her pending trip to meet with the Grey Council, noting she feels she's going to get removed from the Council and possibly even her posting at B5. Yeah, it's very sad. Which is, yeah, it's a bit of a reality sandwich, to quote my dad from Delenn. <laughs> reality uh, sandwich. Uh, oh, uh, I just got it. It it's took time a to eat your reality sandwich. I made a decision, and now I must face the consequences. Yeah, mm-hmm. dad, dad would say that when you, when you fucked up and then had to own up to the consequences. Because she hasn't really been very truthful with Lanier about how the Great Council feels about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when she's all like, oh, I'm probably not going to be Satai anymore, he's all like, what are you talking about? That's news. And it's like, oh, well, I'll just tell you that they might also remove me from Babylon 5 instead of owning up to the fact that I've been lying to you actively for six months. Yeah. It's an interesting look. She's going to go off and do this thing. On her own, Mm -hmm. but Linear keeps telling her that she's not alone. He's there for her, and he's he's gonna be there. Yep, he'll he's gonna stick around. In C and C, Sheridan is literally begging to be kidnapped or blown up. I'll be in and out in an hour. Good grief! Right, unknown thing appearing, making ships vanish. I'll go check it out myself. Mm -hmm. I got to keep my fly pay. Yeah, mysteries on on Babylon Five that we've got to go investigate in space. Generally not the safest thing. No, there's not a strong track record of pilots making it back. Uh-huh. And both the, the Zeta Squadron and Alpha Squadron are busy, so we're just going to take a couple of dudes and the captain, who needs his flight pay, yep. out there to look for this. And of course, he jinxes himself with the famous last words. I've got a better idea. Yep. I mean, when Kiefer wasn't part of this flight crew, when he's been forced onto every flight crew in every scene possible, <sighs> you knew they weren't going to make it. Oh, that's... A good point. <laughs> <laughs> this character we've been shoving down your throats. Really? Every time there's pilots to humanize them a little bit. And he's the one time the captain's going to go out, he doesn't go with. You're just like. This would have been a good time for Kiefer. We could have put him in here somehow. Except he was probably busy. Honestly, you could probably. I don't know that it works the same. But if this, they had just done this episode with Kiefer in Sheridan's place. Mm-hmm. I might like Kiefer more as a character. Oh, that's a good point, too, because, like, he's already got this mystery storyline of, like, he saw something out in hyperspace. And if he yeah. went out and, like, got kidnapped, that would, mm-hmm. that could be an interesting turn. In. Yeah. Hmm. But we have to have Sheridan and everything right now. He's just. Yeah. He's too important. Got to gotta make sure everyone knows how important he is. Yeah. So we cut to an unknown Narn fighter that's in a struggle with an unknown ship. Mm-hmm. And. It appears he's getting abducted to theme. When we come back, Lanier is seeing Delenn off and tells her that he will be joining her in his uh, little, his, uh, what did they call them? Their little one-seaters. Oh, I just, I just called it a flyer. 
Is it a, yeah. is it a flyer? I don't know. I don't know. They look like little fish. All of the Mimbari ships look like little fish of some sort. I think that yeah, okay, do. if the um if the warships are angelfish, obviously, right? They look like angelfish. Maybe these are little betta fish. They're like little Maybe, yeah. little little betas. That makes sense. Whatever you call them. So uh, he's going to be joining her. Sheridan is getting ready to fly when Ivanova calls to be like, hey, one of the joint chiefs is coming. Maybe you should let me know next time. <laughs> yeah, he's he's coming early, though. So Sheridan meant to do that. He meant to tell her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to jump off station real quick while a general is coming to visit. No worries. Yeah. NBD. Garibaldi and Franklin talk shit about Martian baseball with a pilot who joins the escorts who jump into hyperspace. And this is how we know that guy is going to die. For sure. <laughs> Give him some emotional stakes. That bet, doctor. Mm-hmm. That bet on baseball. Yep. Gotta live and pay my 50 some bucks or whatever. Shit, <laughs> like, really, just like, you can't hit a home run on Earth gravity. Fuck you. <laughs> how is that not compensated? Like, Literally, you would send an Earth team to Mars, and yeah. if they're actually playing in different gravity that your body has to acclimate to, that'd be a whole thing. Yeah. Also, the balls would fly so differently. Yeah. I mean, physics is different with that gravity. Yeah. Well, I mean... Th- well, physics yeah, isn't yes. different, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Heat of the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm going to catch so much shit from my dad for that. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> Does he listen to the podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of cool physics, we get yeah. we get a scene of the Star Furies leaving, and they do some of their mm-hmm. cool tricks. You know, I think Sheridan like turns himself around. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. To look at his yeah. buddies and the station before he leaves, and you know that's just that cool like. Does some flippies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we don't really get a lot like of Battle, that. That's the thing Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, does so well. Yeah. The ship flippies. Yeah, I mean, because... But we'll save that for when we're done with Babylon 5. <laughs> exactly. We'll talk about it a lot more in a couple of years. Just hold on. Battlestar Podcast we'll 2025. <laughs> Is that when we'll be done? I don't know. I, I was just... I was, check. I was just doing a number that sounded like it might, could, could be right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll we'll get more precise later. I have I know the release dates for every episode up till the season three, episode one. Wouldn't be that hard to just figure it out. Yeah. I but mean... that I'm not doing right now. That's Excel fun time. It doesn't make sense, does it? We're talking podcast. <laughs> exactly. Uh Lanier is uh sending Delen some thoughts and prayers as she uh goes <laughs> in to the uh <laughs> Oh, is that is that too much? No, can, I just, can we not say that? I'm sorry. That was that was pretty good. <laughs> it's like okay, I can't go past you. Sending your thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Totally the vibe. And he still calls her Satai, which I thought was cute. You know, you're you're the Satai of my heart. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Forever Satai. He's actually gonna get it tattooed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Engraved in his bone riches, actually. <laughs> not weird at all. So anyways, that ship from the open shows up, blows up a ton of the Star Furies. Yeah. Uh, they capture Sheridan by forcing him to eject. They tractor beam him in. And Ramirez is the only survivor still on a ship. And he knows he's not going to make it. There's already terminal amounts of radiation. He is dead. So he sets yeah. his autopilot and just tries to get back to the station while making sure that he leaves logs. So if he doesn't make it the whole way, 
they know what's going on and know that the captain's out there somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, he's a good, good fly buddy, but man, you hate to see it. Yeah. I mean, when you introduce a character and then kill him five minutes later. <laughs> yeah. When you had other characters you could have sent. Anyway, back at Babylon 5, Ivanova's waiting for General Haig. Uh, he gets mm-hmm. off at space. Who arrives. Yeah. Yeah. He gets off at space TSA, asks about Sheridan, and she says, well, he went in to, to look into something in another sector. Mm-hmm. He'll be back. And he'll be back. General Haig, of course. Did you clock him, by the way? Well, he's that one guy that looks like somebody in Russell Crowe. That was my joke last time. Because he's been on before, right? Oh, this is his second and final appearance on the show. This is his final appearance? Yeah, we never see him again. What a shame. Never did care much about that show. But he is Admiral Layton from DS9. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's in a number of episodes of DS9. Yeah. Uh, which I think I knew last time, if it had, if I didn't bring it up, I think I recognized him. We, but we brought it up, what yeah. I, what I didn't recognize him as was Overseer Veloz from Enterprise. He's one of the Vulcan overseers of the NX-01 in Enterprise, and he's in like 15 episodes of Enterprise. I could see that. His hairdo is very like Vulcan. It's that very like severe bangs <laughs> across the mm-hmm. the forehead. Yeah, he could do that. All right, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. Well, we cut to the re- unknown alien ship, mm-hmm. and uh, Sheridan is saran wrapped to his bunk like at summer camp. <laughs> I put saran wrap uh, and cabbage leaves. <laughs> it reminded <laughs> me of both things. That's fair. It is very cabbagey. Not good cabbage either, like old, stretchy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Not, not a fresh cabbage. Yeah. So he starts name rank serial numbering, and does mm-hmm. I cannot remember. And we might have to scrub if you don't remember either. Does he ask, who are you, to the aliens? Oh, I don't remember. In, in his little ranting, I feel the need to scrub to that. Because I pointed out that he asks a couple of our other questions that are important. Yeah. So, okay, well, he's got to ask somebody who they are at some point. Anyway. Delenn shows up and gets stood up by the Grey Council. They will not come, Delenn. Oh, yeah. No one. She's she's all dressed, and she's in her potato sack ready to talk to the council. Or is she in a potato sack? Eh, doesn't matter. She's in a potato sack. No one's there. Her friend appears to tell her they won't recognize her. More than her appearance has changed. Hedron goes to explain, look, the nine of us are stuck here, and our appointments are for life. We maintain a nice balance. Don't rock the boat too hard. Let what needs to make its way to us, you know. Eh, just whatever it is. It's, you know, it's just the way of our government. It was clearly designed by our richest minds long ago. It works. And if we don't respect that, then aren't we disrespecting ourselves in case we become our richest minds? Dylan's pretty upset, but understands. And she wants to know who her backfill is. Mm-hmm. And Hedron is just like, uh, you'll meet them later when you plead your case before the Supreme Court Council. <laughs> Great Council. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. In C&C, the fighter has made it back through the jump gate. Mm-hmm. Hagen Ivanova can tell right away that something's wrong. It's it's alone. It's really badly damaged. They radio med lab that they're going to need to be ready to treat whoever is still inside. Back in captivity, Sheridan gets in a pipe fight with Adrazi, <laughs> who has some data brain thing that Im- he then impales himself on accident, the Drazi. Uh, he vanishes. And then the Narn from earlier shows up with a sword. Yeah, like a machete. Right. Uh, There's a little bit in the season guide about this because the Narn was also the fight choreographer. Oh, how funny. And 
apparently there's a bit with Bruce Boxlintner about him wanting to swing more wildly. Like he's all like, you wouldn't do it like that. You do it like this. He's like, no, I'm an untrained fighter. I would do it like this, uh-huh. you know, and like wore himself so ragged that when he got in his car at the end of the day, he literally couldn't lift his arms to the wheel to drive home. <laughs> Man, and you can't just call an Uber back then. <laughs> yeah, it's fun stuff. Um, at MedLab, the pilot dies like we knew he was gonna, but we do find out about the captain's capture from the logs. Yeah. Then we go back to the Supreme Grey Council, and Delenn is like, fuck y'all. And then Narun shows up, and Delenn is very confused, because you've put too many of the Red Warrior Cows on the Grey Council, and now it's gonna get imbalanced, and it's gonna get all fucky instead of being impartial, like it's supposed to be. And you're making the nine all political, which wasn't the intent that you all say you care so much about. Who knows what disastrous rulings and rights this court is going to change and take away. All because that turtle Mitch Hedron got all fucking with the rules and didn't replace Delenn at the right time and made everyone fucking wait. Fuck that guy. <laughs> anyway, Scar tells Delenn that she can get wrecked. The warrior cast is in charge now. And if you don't like it, you can get out. Yeah. Um. Because if you didn't know, by the way, uh, Naroon, uh, the actor, also voiced Scar in The Lion King. You know, we probably talked about that last time, but it's still a surprise. Yeah, I I don't remember if we clocked it last time, but I'm... every time I see him, it's, I'm going to check and be surprised again. We just love our, like, British accent bad guys in America. We do. We just, for some reason, it's like it's baked in our DNA. I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so religious cast only gets two members now. We've got yeah. warrior cast with four, worker cast with three, religious with two. So mm-hmm. it's it's not quite balanced like some things. Nope. Yeah. On the cabbage ship, Sheridan's taken off the Narn's device. He he starts to wake up. He's not dead, we find out. Sheridan thinks he broke some of his ribs. They don't have any food or yeah. water. And he asks the Narn if he has any idea why they're here. Why are we here? Yeah. They talk about it for a moment, and they come to the conclusion that this is just a test for future invasion plans. Yeah. See who's weak, who they can conquer easily. Right. Sheridan decides that his first obligation is to try to escape somehow, but the Narn passes back out on him. Meanwhile, Delenn catches up Lanier on what happened, and he agrees to follow her back, despite Delenn being like, no, uh, shit sucks. Like, you probably don't want to do this. And he's just like, mm, gonna do it. Mm, I'm just gonna commit career suicide with you. It's fine. Like, yeah. Like, uh, they they said she can go back to Babylon 5. They're fine with sidelining her out there. So mm-hmm. Lanier's happy to go be sidelined with her. He thinks that, you know, he's going for the long play. He's going for yeah. the long game. He thinks this will work out. Back in CNC, the General and Ivanova discuss the situation. Not much more info, but it seems to be collecting single individuals from multiple races. And then the Agamemnon shows up to help their old captain. And yeah. it should be fast enough to catch up with whatever. Yeah. Nice to see the ship again. It's been a little bit. Yeah. Back in the prison, Sheridan's drifting off, and he has one of these, you know, classic Babylon 5 spooky visions. Vision sequence. <laughs> We get Ivanova with, like, a bird on her shoulder shushing him and asking him if she if he knows who she is. <laughs> Do you know who I am? 
we see Garibaldi, and he's got a different bird. Look, I think hers is like yeah, a Ivanova raven. has a raven, yeah. and Garibaldi has a dove. Which is not the bird I would associate with Garibaldi, but... Well, I, I do say I think long-term it makes sense given their roles in the conflict to come. Hmm. I'll have to think on that one. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to get, it's super spoiler town, so I'm not going to get into it right now, but. Yes, yeah, super spoiler town. We can talk about it in the Discord. Join our Discord. <laughs> Somebody explain the dove to Laura. Garibaldi says that the man in between is searching for you, which I think I remember what that's a reference to. And we see Kosh, and he mm -hmm. asks Kosh, why are you here? So I, I know that at some point he asked, what do, what do these aliens want? So I think we get all three questions. Yeah. In a in a manner of speaking in this episode. Sheridan wakes up, he sees the sword, and has a big brain moment realizing yeah, that it's like fucking we're getting out of here. We swords can be used for multiple things. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I have a sword exclusively for opening champagne. That's its job. <laughs> Do you have one for levering open doors? <laughs> Honestly, I could use the Sam champagne sword. It's very thick. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Delenn, on her way back, gives us the story on the Strebes. Yeah. Which are those who captured Sheridan and others. This is their MO. And the last time the Mimbari encountered them, they gave them the Vulcan hello. The Agamemnon, the fighters, and the Mimbari find them, join in, and the captain and the Narn escape as the ship is destroyed. I really like what Delenn gets to say about, you guys remember your time in our space? Yeah. yeah. You're going to... You're going to regret this. <laughs> yeah. I love it when she gets to give threats, which happens a few times in this show. So It does. There's one There's, in a number yeah. of episodes here that's probably one of the best threats delivered on TV. Chef it's Kiss. Good. Yes. Anyways, the Captain and the Narn escape as the ship is destroyed. Back on the station, Sheridan is in Metalab and mourns the loss of the others. And Kosh is waiting for him. Just to prove that that wasn't entirely a dream. Yeah, he's spooky too. He's super spooky. He says, you've always been here. Yeah, referring to his mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we go back to Sheridan's quarters, I think, with General Haig. It's either his quarters yes. or his office, but... It was his quarters. Okay, yeah, this casual time. He said this was a personal yeah. visit, casual thing. So we cram a whole bunch of stuff into the last five minutes of this episode. Yes, we do. General Haig takes out some kind of jamming device so that they can talk freely. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. And Sheridan's pretty angry about how long it's taken for someone to come debrief him. Like, mm -hmm. we're pretty sure the timeline on this is six months, right? Six months after? Yeah, give or take. He says all his staff can be trusted. And so Haig tells him, you know, that... Santiago knew how important this place was, and that's basically why he put Sheridan as number two pick if something happened to Sinclair, because he would look like some sort of hard-nosed military man to Clark, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't actually be that. So Santiago was playing chess. Yes. The general says Santiago's death was likely an assassination, mm -hmm. likely by Psycor, but they can't prove it yet. The conspiracy is real, y'all. Mm -hmm. Now we know who his source is. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> he talked about he collects these secrets. He's getting them from General Haig. Yeah. Sheridan agrees to fight to save Earth, and he decides to bring his senior staff in on it. 
and brings them all to the quarters after the general leaves and tells them what's going on. Yeah. He gets the jamming device from Haig. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they all kind of knew something was up. What, since Garibaldi got shot in the back in that whole thing? <laughs> yeah. So they're all in. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. Each one of them gets to, to say, yes, I want to be in on this. And we've got a mystery. End of episode. So, Laura, on a scale of Babylon 1 to Babylon 5, how did you feel about this one? It's not as clear for me as the last one. Like, yeah. Gropos hit, hit all my emotional spots the way it was supposed to, and I enjoyed it a lot. This one, I guess I kind of got to go back to three territory. It's not Babylon 5's best. It's not Babylon 5's worst. It's a yeah average, solid, middle of the road for me episode. I would put it at a three as well. And my rant here is that this feels like the first time Babylon 5 has swung for the fences and missed. Yeah. It's still a good episode. It's solid. It does what it needs to. But, I mean, the character, we don't get anything substantial with any of the characters despite a bunch of stuff happening to them. Yeah. Like, we get some place setting for future stuff with the Mimbari Grey Council. Mm-hmm. And the the eventual fracture in their culture that's been building in the background that they've referred to a bunch. Uh, we get some stuff about a conspiracy, but nothing of substance. And it's all shoved in the last couple minutes of the episode. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and the whole plot with Sheridan being captured feels like it exists solely to have General Hag do something else besides not tell us what's going on mm -hmm. at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could have made that Kiefer very easily and then had that be a test uh, of like Ivanova and stuff to see if the general's comfortable with bringing them in mm -hmm. or something. It's just anything, really. Like, it just feels like a miss to me. And it's not that great of an episode for it. Yeah. I think it was trying really hard to build building blocks that we're going to need later. Yeah. And, you know, as much as like the, the Stribe are kind of Strebe, Stribe are kind of, you know, spooky and, you know, later you can ask yourself, like, are they servants of shadows or Vorlons or... Yeah, something. Like, what, yeah. what, how do they fit in? I don't think they show up again. I don't know. It wasn't as compelling as some mysteries in Babylon 5 are to me. I do have a funny scrub point that I forgot to bring up. Yeah. As they're leaving the ship, okay? They're as Oh, what the aliens look like, what the Streep look yes. like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the Streep starts spacing everybody and Sheridan and the Narn manage to like find an escape pod. Yeah, they're, they're like big grays, Yeah. Right? It's one of those guys. It's an alien costume from Halloween uh, USA. And it's the same big gray guy that abducted the guy in the the episode with, you know, the legal system back in season one. Yeah. It's that same kind of gray. So it's very funny that they've definitely made a name for But how was he on Babylon 5 then? Oh, man. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's just one of those, oh, those cute production things. Gray aliens. Yeah. So that's somewhere around the 35 minute mark because I can't find it exactly at this moment. Yeah. I know the scene you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think the, uh, the ones that we saw earlier in court, I don't remember them being so distinctively tall. Mm -hmm. This one felt like he was played by Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah, he was tall. He was a tall boy. Definitely. So, yeah. All right. Good episode. 
Yeah. So next week, we're going to go ahead and review Tron as Woo! part of our mid-season movie break. Mm-hmm. After that, we'll be back with season two, episode 12, Acts of Sacrifice. But I'll read the preview on that one for next episode. Oh, yeah. Next episode. We don't get to know right now what that's about. No, you possibly couldn't Google it or <laughs> look at HBO Max or have seen the episode in the 20 years since it's released. You're not going so. to because you're worried about Tron. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks to Jeremy Siegel for our wonderful theme music. You can find more of his music at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thanks to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. And hey, if you want to reach out and give us your thoughts about the episode or, you know, just general Babylon 5 thoughts, you can reach us at whoareub5 at gmail.com. Join our Discord. Yeah. We'll see you next week, Internet. Bye. Bye.